Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 27 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast, and our first new episode of 2018. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash seasonedathlete. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, including some authored by previous seasoned athlete guests like Katherine Switzer and Lita Petro. To get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash seasonedathlete or visit seasonedathlete.me and click on Audible trial on the main menu. Today, I'll be talking to Masters runner, world record holder, and possibly the fastest woman her age in the world, Libby James. Before we get to that, though, let's meet our first Everyday Season Athlete of 2018. The Everyday Season Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. This week's Everyday Season Athlete is a later-in-life athlete who found Spartan Race and is now in the best shape of his life. Let's get to know Bill Provins. My name is Bill Provins. I'm 51, almost 52, and I do Spartan racing. November 2015, I was invited to go watch the World Championships in Tahoe. I thought it sounded like fun, had heard of Spartan, but didn't really know what it was, but figured I would give it a shot. Uh, Just to get out of town, figured to go, go watch some people run around. Got up there, watched the race, looked like a lot of fun. Uh, never been an athlete, but I was getting ready to turn 50 the next year and thought this would be a good way to challenge myself. Uh, so the next month I started running, went for my first half mile run, thought I was going to pass out, uh, but kept at it three times a week. I'd run a half mile. When I got easier, I went three quarters and just went from there, kept pushing a little further each time, slowly building myself up. And 2016, I ran four races, got a trifecta and finished the Tahoe race. 2017, decided to push myself even harder, moved to the elite class. Did 11 races, unfortunately finished 10, got a DNF at Tahoe due to hypothermia. But learned a big lesson there. Uh, this year, I'm signed up to do 11 races already, and I will get a triple trifecta. Uh, my advice to someone who wants to be an everyday season athlete is to just start slow, work your way up, but never quit. Uh, if your body tells you you need to take a day off, take a day off. Don't push it harder than uh, you should, uh, but stay consistent. Uh, set yourself a schedule slowly increase uh, work your way up to that and before you know it you'll be doing great i was never an athlete played little league two years but that was it never a runner never tried to run a further than a mile in my life now on weekends i go running do eight mile runs both days in fact i just finished one and i'm in my cool down right now uh, i think anyone can do it if you really want to this has changed my life uh, i've never been in this good a shape in my life um uh, betting better than my 20s at almost 52 i'm in better shape I think anyone can do it and should push yourself, find out what you can do. Even if you only do a sprint, a short five mile race, three mile, even if you do a 10K, I do an occasional five and 10K for fun. Get out there and do it. 
Whatever sport you want to do, I'm Bill Province, and I'm a seasoned athlete. If you'd like to tell your everyday seasoned athlete story in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete. If you've ever wanted to try running but then convinced yourself that you're too old to try such an endeavor, well, I'm glad you're here because you need to hear this woman's story. This is Masters runner Libby James. Hi, Libby. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners? Well, I'll give it my best shot. You are Libby James from Fort Collins, Colorado. You're a mother of four and a grandmother of 12, ranging in age from 8 to 24 years old. You're a writer, a teacher, and a long-distance runner. And that is an understatement because I believe I can call you the fastest woman your age in the world. You hold the current USA track and field world records for your age group in the 5K and 15K distances. In 2012, you were inducted into the Colorado Running Hall of Fame. And in 2016, you were inducted into the USATF Masters Hall of Fame. And this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to your running accomplishments, which all came after age 40. And I look forward to learning more about that. In the meantime, is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Well, you know, last fall, I got the 10K world record uh, in my own hometown last September. And I think, I don't know how that didn't get in there, but I'd like to add that. Well, you have every right to add that. So thank you for adding that in because you (laughs) earned it. So from here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all of my guests. And that is, what is your age at this moment in time? Okay. At this moment in time, it's 81. Yes. Uh, So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports at all or were you active at all growing up? You know, I was not a very active athlete growing up. I played a little bit of softball in school and rode my bike. and That's about it. So you just kind of did what kids do, uh, right. but, but not a whole lot of organized sports. That's true. Actually clear through college. Clear through college. Yeah. How and when did you find your way to running? Well, you know, I, as I recall, I read an article about running and it said something like the first hundred miles are the hardest. And I thought, but that's kind of interesting. I'd like to try that. And by that time, I think I was about 35 and my kids were moving toward the teen years. And it was a very busy time in my life. My kids are less than five years apart, all four of them. So it it was busy. Um, and I think it was more a mental health thing for me than anything else. I started running one mile every morning before they were up. And then I'd get home in time to make breakfast and get them off to school. And I did that for four or five years before I ever did anything else with it. That's really interesting because I talked to a lot of moms and you know, being a mom of any kids, much less five kids all really close in age can be really overwhelming. And I know that it can be stressful and just finding the time to exercise and finding the time to take care of yourself can be really difficult uh, when you're a mother of five young kids, but it, yeah, it's, four, it's four kids, not five, four kids. Sorry, four kids. Uh, My husband put up to that at a reasonable number. <laughs> you gotta, gotta draw a line somewhere, right? Right. <laughs> So mother of four, all close in age, stressful, I imagine. And you just, you figured out how to take it upon yourself that if you get out and run even just one mile, that's time for yourself 
that can be good for your mental health. I think that's that's something excellent that any mom can really take to heart. Yeah, it did. It did seem to help me a lot. And then in 1976, we had um, a boy from England live with us and he came. He was a senior in high school at the time. and He was a really good runner. And so I started doing a little distance with him. Um, and then when I was 40, I entered a 10K race. Was that your first race, like, at all? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Went right for the 10K. I did. And how did that go for you? Well, you know, it went surprisingly well. I don't exactly remember my time, but it was something around 44 minutes, I think. And there were very few women in that age group in those years. And so I thought, wow, this is fun. I think I'll do some more of it. <laughs> and then I read about marathons, and I thought that's an impossible, ridiculous distance. So I'm interested in seeing if I can do it. So I started training, and I did my first marathon in Denver in 1978. Okay. And what was your time for that? How did you do? I think it was 348. 345 or 348. Yeah. I think I won my age group. In your first marathon. Yeah. But there were not many over 40 women runners. There just weren't. So you started at a time where it's like you could do these races and feel really confident. It's like I'm winning these races, but let's not discount these times that you were getting because like, I'll be honest with you. I've run a number of 10 Ks and I'm I'm still in the, the upper 50s range for, for my times. And that's me running as fast as I can. So hearing you do your first 10K race and getting, you know, in the mid 40s for your time. And it's like, I want to know just uh, like, like, what do you think it was responsible for you just kind of coming at this and being so good at it from the start? Well, it's interesting, you know, and I would never say that, that I really regret not having run like in high school and in college and afterwards. But I do kind of wonder what it would have been like. And I think maybe... I wouldn't be running now if I had started that much sooner. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I've noticed that a lot of the people that are really hot runners, when they get into their 40s or 50s, not all of them, but some of them say, oh, I'm slowing down. I don't like this. And then they quit. And they either go to biking or something else. You know. So I, I don't know. I, maybe because I had a late start, that's why I'm still at it. So do you think it's like the wear and tear on the body from having run from an early age or just getting tired of it or a little bit of both? What do you think? I, I think it's both. And I think lots of times it's your back or your knees. You know, they just give out hmm. after a while. Well, this should give some hope for our late in life athletes or our potential late in life athletes. Cause I know there's people who are around my age who, you know, they think about running a 5K, but they're like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can start something at this age. But you're proof that you could start, you know, 35 in your, and, and become really successful in your 40s and beyond, well beyond. But we haven't even gotten to that yet. Uh, but there's something to be said about starting something like running a little bit later. Yeah, I hmm. think so. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so so seasoned athletes listening, take heed and don't ever say you can't do something because it's possible you can be incredibly successful with a late start. And that's what I want to get into right now. So we're going to flash forward a bit. Um, so you've been running for four decades now, correct? Right. Four that I've yeah, been racing. You've been racing four decades now. And right. you achieved your greatest success in your 70s thus far, right? You know, it's... It, there was a guy whose name is Mike Tim lives in Hawaii and he was reading the results of the Boulder Boulder. He was really reading the fine print. 
and he saw my name and age and results, and he called me up and he said, I'd like to interview you for running time. So I said, oh, really? So that, I think that was like in 09, but that seemed to be a turning point. People, nobody noticed before, but that seemed to be a turning point. That's interesting. So let's talk about some of these personal best times that you achieved uh, in your 70s. So your 5K personal best was at age 75, and that's 23 minutes and 30 seconds. Your 10K personal best at age 72, 48 minutes and 54 seconds. And your half marathon personal best at age 76, 145.52. So as a bit of perspective, I'm 43 right now. And those numbers that you have already achieved in your 70s are my high-level goals. Those are like, I want to do a sub-two-hour half marathon. That's a high-level goal for me that I have not achieved. So I want to know a couple things. How did you get to be so fast, and how are you able to continue to race at this level at the age you're at now? One of the things I think is important is consistency. And, I, you know, there were in those early years, I, I ran a couple 60, 65-mile weeks. But that was really rare. I don't run a huge number of miles. And I'm not very technical about it. I, I'm just not interested in all that stuff. I'm interested in being outside and being by myself and having time to think. Um, but I do think it's important to keep at it. Um, and, and at this age, you can't even take a week off or you really have a hard time getting back. So it's just keeping at it. Right now, I'm running every other day about four and a half miles. I did go six miles one day this week. And the day in between, I go the same distance, but I walk it. Hmm. And I'm starting to run like part of it because I'd like to get back to running a little more. But uh, so that's probably 20 miles in a good week, you know, not not more. Yeah. So, But I also need forward motion these days. Walking counts. Walking absolutely counts. And I mean... They always say as you get older, moving is important, right? To to maintain your mobility, Absolutely. you just have to move in some way. And I'm I preach that. Um, and I see like my dad is 77 years old. Um, he his mind is not what it used to be, but he was always very active. And so his body he's still incredibly mobile. Um, so that's that's good to see. It's like if you just keep moving, your body will continue to work. And for you, yeah. it's if you just keep running, you'll still be able to keep racing um, and be able to stay competitive, which it sounds like it's something you enjoy. I, I do. I do enjoy that. Um, yeah. And it is. It, it's pretty funny in the 80 to 84 age group. You don't have to run very fast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you're still probably achieving times that are high level goals for a lot of people who are much younger than you. Well, that's probably true. You know, they have these age graded scores and I have, I think one year I got seven or eight of them. And that's a formula where they take your time and your age and they, I don't know what all they do with it, but there's an age graded score. And at these big races, um, that's kind of big money if you win the age graded thing. Hmm. And I have done that several times. It's yeah, pays your way. And then some. Good. So the age graded scores and you sent me those and I didn't fully understand them when I was looking at them, but they are all you're given like a percentage. And is that sort of like a handicap against somebody who is who would be younger? Yeah, it's it's a it's a leveler, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think the people who came up with it figured that 100 if you got 100 percent, that's world class runner. 
And there was one race where I got 100, and it was in Syracuse, actually. I got 107%, and they went, oh, no, she's not supposed to get that. So they, they changed the formula. So you, you broke the formula, basically. I broke the formula. And then the next <laughs> time, there was an age grade score of 90-something. I think, what? No. <laughs> right? I went way down, but they made it harder for you. Right? Libby, you're just so good that they... They have to set the bar higher. Well, yeah, and I think I was not the only one. There were several older athletes that were cranking it out, you know, and they just said, well, and, and that's the way it should work. I think it's a couple of um, men in England, I think, or at least one of them was from England, because I did a story on this whole age-graded thing. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah. A lot of runners into stats in a big way, and they love messing around with the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. And especially, you know, I was looking at the the USA track and field stats. That's how I found out about you. And just the the master's stats and the numbers are pretty nuts. Well, at least where I stand in the running world, like I'm looking at, you know, people, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s getting crazy numbers and numbers that I aspire for. And so it, it gives me hope that maybe I just haven't reached my best yet, that the best is yet to come and I have some time. You're just a young pup. <laughs> yeah, I got plenty of time. So I'm just going to keep running. And I want to go back to a little bit about your training because uh, it sounds like, you know, you hear the phrase, no junk miles. Like a lot of people will run a ton of miles, but it sounds like you don't do extraneous miles. You run you you run a set number of miles per week, add the walking in, but that keeps you that keeps you ready to race essentially. Well, it seems like it what it's what works for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have a friend that I run with who runs a little faster than I do, so the run days, you know, I probably wouldn't run quite as fast if he weren't pushing me a little bit, and that's good. That's yes. Good. That's always nice. And I hear that a lot from my guests too, is like find someone to train with, find someone to run with. Because it, it's true. If you're training with people who are faster than you, you are going to push a little bit harder. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about kind of the highs and lows of your racing career. So can you take us back to your worst race or your worst competitive moment, if you can recall? I'll tell you what was a tough race was um, over a year ago in Tulsa. And actually, I got the 15K record during this race. But it was extremely hard. It was on concrete. It was in... October, but it was really hot. Um, it was not scenic. There were a lot of hills. And at about mile, it's a 9.3, I think, 15K, at about mile seven and a half, I said to myself, I didn't come here to kill myself. I think I'll slow down. <laughs> so I did. That's probably the hardest race I've done. So it, it sounds to me like for you, I mean, it sounds like for you, running is a lot is based around joy. You really enjoy running. You really want to enjoy the experience of running. And it sounds like that race was the convergence of hills and concrete and lack of view and all the things that would make it not as joyful. Well, that's true. However, I, I went with my daughter who is now 58 and she competed also. And I did win the age graded thing there. We drove there and I made a thousand dollars on the age graded thing. So Financially, it was a good weekend. I mean, even your worst race is going to be a good race. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, my daughter's busy and we had 10 hours in the car together, both directions. It was, that, there were great things about it, but the actual race was hard. 
Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a tough experience. Is there anything you learned from that experience that you think might help you in other races or even choosing other races? I decided not to go back to Tulsa this year. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But no, I don't think this is the thing that I would particularly avoid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I knew when I went that it was a tough course. I did. And I thought, well, maybe not very many people will go. It's tough. So, yeah. Do you find uh, in the age group, as you get older in the age group you're in, you're, you have fewer and fewer competitors so you kind of get to know the same you see the same people at some of these races yeah I, I think that that's really true and you know when I do a local race anymore there's so many people that I don't know that are mm. in the younger age groups yeah but there's a sort of a, a core of us older runners yeah yeah so let's talk about your favorite race what was your favorite race or greatest accomplishment or best day in the sport Okay. You know, I have to say that the Boulder Boulder is my favorite race. Uh, it's going to celebrate its 40th birthday this spring. And I haven't done it every single year, but I've done it, I bet I've done it 35 times. Wow. And I've gotten to the race directors. And yeah, it's just a race. And it's been really hard to get to it for several years because my kids keep, my grandkids keep graduating from college. And that same weekend, it's Monday, Memorial Day. And last oh, yeah. year, so I, it's a holiday. I flew back from San Diego on Sunday night and got up at like 4.30 Monday morning to do the race, you know, but I was not going to miss it. So, yeah. yeah. Why, why do you like that race so much? Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of reasons. It's a 50,000 person race. It's huge. But you never feel that you're in a big crowd because they have this wave set up where it takes two and a half hours for the start. To be completed and you're in waves of a thousand people wow. or maybe less so you you know there's a ton of people but you never feel like you're in this enormous crowd every year they tweak it in one way or another to make it a little better it's extremely well organized um it and i i guess i've gotten to know the person who started it who's now he's about my age a couple years younger i think and his son has taken it over now. And last fall, for the first time ever, they had a race outside of Boulder, and it was in Fort Collins in my hometown. And it was called the Fortitude Race, and it was to celebrate the opening of our big new football stadium at Colorado State University. So that course was really fun because it went past the house where my daughter lives, where my kids grew up, and another house where I live now. And it was like, wow. I'm just at home running in this race. It was great. How neat is that to kind of run through your own history, too? No kidding. It really was. That's so neat. That's really cool. This was about 8,000 people, which is a big race for Fort Collins. Probably the biggest ever in Fort Collins, but nothing like the Boulder Boulder. But I'm sure it will grow. Yes. So you recommend people check out the Boulder Boulder? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. And I know a lot of people think, oh, that's so huge, you know, that I don't want to do that. But it is really an experience. Okay. And really, the entertainment along the course, uh, all the way from bacon frying to uh, belly dancers to a great bunch of musicians. I mean, you can it's just fun. I love race experiences like that. Like, I've done, um, I live in Southern California, so I've done the Disney races here. Oh, you have? And so the, the half marathon at, at Disneyland. And 
Um, it sounds, what you were explaining with the Boulder Boulder sounds really similar. They're very big races, very big corrals. You wait a long time, but everybody's in costume. And yep. uh, and the city comes out. Like the the there's cheerleaders and bands and classic car clubs will line up all their cars and honk their horns at you and and uh so that that's that experience that you explain sounds a lot like what i experienced with the with the disney races that i like so much and it's just like it keeps you energized as you run the whole time yeah you know to go back a little bit i didn't tell you what my very best race was and that was in 2013 in orlando disney world it was the disney world half and I went there intending to break the record because I had broken the record in Fort Collins, but it wasn't a certified course. And my son, my younger son, works for Disney, and I thought, if there's ever going to be a race that's totally sanctified, certified, validated, whatever, it's going to be a Disney race. Yeah, they're not going to mess around. No, they don't mess around. So it started at 5 in the morning, pitch black, through the Magic Kingdom, just incredible. That was another race that was so well organized. You never had to look at your watch because it was a sign telling you oh, yeah. exactly where, you know, it was just yeah. great. And, and my son's family had gone somewhere for a swim meet, but he was there by himself. And he knew that I had broken record and I knew it too. And it was just meeting up with him was just a high point. It was just great. Very fun. What an amazing day at a magical place. Yeah. It sounds like you've really found the joy from running. That's something I'm really getting from you. Uh, but it's also helped you through the ups and downs in your life, uh, and particularly when your husband passed away. Can you talk about how running has helped you through some of the darker times in your life? Yeah, I, I distinctly remember the day after he died, my brother, who's like 10 years younger than I am, called me up and he said, hey, you want to go for a run? I said, yeah. And so that, that was kind of a little symbolic thing. But I, my husband had a series of heart attacks and um, surgery in Denver and all that. And when I was down there, staying down there, I would go out to the Highline Canal and run and just run and run and run. And it, it, it was a helpful thing for me. It's, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like running has always been really therapeutic for you. It has. It really has. And, you know, <laughs> I have a friend, a neighbor friend, who uh, was struggling with her knees, and she's like 70. And she said, you know, I think I'm, maybe I'm going to have to retire. And I said, oh, no. And I had just heard this little quote, which I thought I'd so fitting, and it's so simple. It's, it says, the worst thing about running is not running. It's true. And that, that's so true. It is hard when you have to not run for a while. And I, that happened to me last winter. I got sick, and I couldn't run for a while. And I thought, oh, I did walk, even if it was just one block. I walked, but yeah, it took a while to get back. Yeah, that's it's the funny thing about running and exercise in general. It's very use it or lose it. So, you know, it's kind of cruel that way. And that if you, you have to work hard to get to where you want to be, and then you can lose it in a week if you don't do it, you know? So you really have to just every, like you said, like get out every single day and do something, whether it's running, whether it's walking, whether it's exercising in some way. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about that because uh, we, we touched on this, but I want to kind of dig in a little more because I'm sure our, our listeners are dying to know how an 81 year old woman who holds world road racing records trains for her races. So you talked about how you currently you get out, you run, you know, you say no more than four miles usually. Right. Four, four and a half. Four, and a half four, four, four and a half miles running or walking. Do you do anything else? Do you do any cross training? You know, I, I love to ride my bike. Uh, um, and I, it's kind of hard in the winter here, but I, I bike. 
And I do a little workout every morning. It's probably not more than 15 or 20 minutes, but it's stretching and foam rolling. And I've got a stability ball. And yeah, I do. And I do that every day. So it sounds like you're doing primarily first thing in the morning, like flexibility and mobility work, keeping yourself mobile. Right. And and it's so important. It's something that I've I've really picked up on um, with people that I train and I coach is is the need for flexibility and mobility, because when we're younger, we don't really pay as much attention to that. But it's so, so important as we get older. And it sounds like for you, I mean, you're you're able to stay in this peak running condition um, and you're very, very disciplined and diligent about your mobility every single day. Would you say that that helps you uh, continue to be able to run at a, at a high level at the age you're at? I, yeah, if I didn't do it, I, I don't think I would still be able to run. I don't. Some of my friends who are my age and I see them having trouble going up and down stairs and I go, oh, wow. You know, it's, it's really true. You just got to keep at it. Yeah. So start younger, you know, for if you're listening and you're a little bit younger, start now. Like, don't wait until you're in your 70s and 80s to do your mobility work. Start now. Make it a daily practice. You know, you're saying 10, 15 minutes a day max. That's all it takes. But you do it every day. It's not that older people can't do it. I think that it's harder to do it when it hurts to do it. And if it hasn't become a habit by the time you're old, it's hard. It's hard to develop a new habit. It's hard to teach a seasoned dog new tricks. Yeah, there you go. What advice would you give to someone who may be thinking of taking up running at any age, but particularly at a more advanced age, and especially those who might be afraid to get into running because they think it'll, you know, ruin their knees or it'll hurt? Uh, What advice do you have for them? Well, I think a great way to get started running is to step out your front door and plan a course that's one mile, just a, a loop or, you know, a few blocks in your neighborhood. And start off walking and then run a little bit. And as soon as you get tired, you walk again, but you get that mile done. And you do that and you do that for a week or 10 days and you go, oh, maybe I can run a little farther. And eventually you'll be able to run that mile. And then you add a little bit and a little bit more. And I think that's a good way to start. It's simple, but it's perfect. And I like that you're you're not talking about measuring. I mean, aside from a mile. You're just kind of running on, you're going on feeling. It's like, I'm going to walk. And then if I can run, I run until I can't. And then I walk. And if I feel up to running, but it's all based on how you feel. And something I, when the information you sent me, you talk about how you don't use watches, you don't use, you know, smart watches or GPS or anything like the heart rate monitors. You just kind of go with how you feel. I do wear a, just an old fashioned kind of watch just to see how long it takes me to do that four and a half miles, just out of a matter of, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't have to do that. Yeah. You're not throwing on a, you know, a Garmin or anything like that, like a a GPS watch. You're just keeping time and and going until you're done going. So it can be just as simple as that, as going out your front door and walking for a bit and then slowly just running until you can't run and then walk. And you will likely find that the more you do that, the the longer you're going to run. Doing it with a friend helps. Planning ahead with a friend, like saying we're going to meet at 7.30 tomorrow morning at this corner and do our mile. I think that that helps. Then you're committed. Yeah, it keeps you, keeps you both accountable. And there is something that I always used to call the annoyance barrier. You know, it's raining and you're in bed and all warm and your husband says, are you going today? And you have to be able to say yes. Yes. I am. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Hard. I like that. I like your phrase for it, the annoyance barrier. Can you get past the yeah. annoyance barrier? Uh, right. Th- there's a coach that I work with that talks about uh, like motivation, and it's like, um, how motivated am I to do this thing? And it's and his his philosophy is like, what do you want more? Do you want that warm bed more, or do you want to get better at running? more like oh, which one do you good. want more and you're gonna do the yeah. thing that day or whatever day it is and it could change from day to day you're gonna do that thing you want more yeah and it's just as simple as that it's like it has nothing to do with with motivation it has to do with what you want more that day are you gonna eat that chocolate cake or are you gonna eat that healthy meal you know what do you want more and if you want that cake more eat the cake but if you want the healthy <laughs> meal more eat the healthy meal and so for you it sounds like you know getting past the annoyance barrier it's like do I want to get better at running then I might have to go run in the rain today and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Well, my friend that I run with, he always says when we're through, I don't care what happens the rest of the day. We've gotten our run in. It's going to be a good day. You yes. know, it's like, this will probably, this may be the best thing that happens to us today. And it's your time. It's that one time a day that's yours. That's right. And I don't think you ever say, oh, I wish I hadn't gone on that run. You know, even if it doesn't go well, yeah. it's better than not going at all. Yeah. A lot of times I think with running and I've talked to people about this a lot, like you may not enjoy how you feel when you're running, but you always enjoy how you feel after you run. When you're done, you always feel better. So and you earned a hot shower. You earned a hot shower and a good meal. Yeah. And if you've done a race, you've earned a really good meal. (laughs) (laughs) So Livy, do you ever see yourself retiring from racing? Oh, you know, I'm and I'm going to Virginia Beach in March. That the 8K championship is there. Um, I, I haven't. I planned to retire when I was 70. I said I'm going to quit this when I turn 70. But then I turned 70 and I thought, why should I quit this? I'm having fun with it. So I, no, at this point I just like. I know I can't do it forever, but when I can't run, I'm going to walk. So. And you do. You just keep doing it as as long as it's fun. You keep doing it. Yeah, and the racing thing, the racing thing is really fun, but it is kind of the icing on the cake. It's not the, if, I think if you just, this goes back, if, you, if you're if you only running for your health, you probably won't be motivated forever to do it. It has to be fun. You have to make it something you like to do. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And that's actually my philosophy, even as a fitness coach, is that I want to help people find the fun in their training, whatever they're training. So that's what I love about competitive events is it kind of gives you something fun to train for like a fun reason. And then, and then at least to start, like I always encourage people sign up for a a race or a competitive event. Even if it's like a fun run, sign up, give yourself a reason, give yourself a reason and a goal. And then you may find that you love doing it and you want to keep doing it. And that's where the magic happens when you find that love in whatever it is you're doing. And if it's something active and something healthy, it's an amazing thing. I found the love in it and it sounds like you have definitely found the love in it. And I want everybody to find the love in it, which is why I'm doing the show. (laughs) Well, I think it's great that you're doing this podcast. Good for you. Thank you. Great. Well, you know, I do it. It's it's partially selfish reasons because I get to talk to athletes like you and I can't help but be fired up every single time I have a conversation with one of my seasoned athletes. I just like I want to run to the gym or go outside and run or something <laughs> like I just want to like go do something amazing because it's just so inspiring to talk to people like you. So I it's partially selfish reasons 
like a large degree selfish reasons. And then hopefully, you know, I'm helping others as well. And you're helping others by telling your story. So thank you for that. <laughs> so Libby, uh, what races do you have coming up? Well, I'm thinking about this Virginia Beach one, yeah. the 8K, which is the, the middle of March. Um, and I will do the Boulder Boulder of for course. sure. And a 4th of July race that I always do. Other than that, I don't have a whole lot of plans. Do you ever wing it? Do you ever just be like at the last minute, like, hey, this this could be fun. Maybe I'll just do this. I should do that. But I usually plan ahead, especially if you're going somewhere far away. You almost have to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So before we go, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Even if you only do something very small, be consistent and do it every day or do it according to your schedule, whether it's three times a week or four times a week keep at it. Keep at it. Yeah, that's just very sort of mundane advice. But I think that's, you know, some mornings I get up and I think, oh, geez, I don't want to do that balancing exercise again. I never get any better at it, (laughs) but I do it. Well, it's been the key to your success is consistency. If there's one word that that has probably helped you be as successful as you are, it's consistency. And it doesn't, you know, advice doesn't have to be this like, amazingly mind-blowing thing like sometimes the simplest words can be the most profound and I think that's that's what you gave us just now so be consistent be consistent do something every day or on a regular schedule as much as possible right and finally if someone wants to learn about you uh online how can they do that I have a website um it's Libby L-I-B-B-Y Libby James and if you just google my name you can get it I think and I do do a blog. I do a blog every week, and it's not always about running, but it often is, particularly since I've started this running book that I think I mentioned to you earlier. Can you talk more about that running book? Yeah. Um, I am revising and updating a series of columns that I wrote for our local newspaper. It was called The Running Life, and it's going to be a book, hopefully this spring. Fantastic. And, and what are you calling it? Uh, I'm calling it are you still running? Because that's what everybody asks me. And <laughs> that's so great. The subtitle is, yep, look inside to see why. That's so great. Oh, I love that. Yes. Are you still running? Yes, I am. Of course. I just finished a historical novel, which was really kind of, I, I'm a journalist person. And I write nonfiction all the time, but I wrote this historical novel and it was a real struggle, the fiction. So I am so enjoying going back and writing nonfiction again. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited so. for that to come out and I can't wait to read it because I bet you have some amazing stories of your life as a runner. Well, actually, it's other people's stories. A lot of it is other oh. people's stories. That's cool, My too. Blind- has run rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. Wow. Blind guy. A blind guy. Blind guy. He's doing the race across America, 3,100 miles on his bike, on a tandem this summer. How old is he? He is late 40s. Late 40s. So I could I could talk to him for the show. I might have to ask you after oh we're done talking. <laughs> he would be great for the show. Yes. His name is Dan Berlin, B-E-R-L-I-N. Okay. So uh, after, we're done with, after we're done with the interview, uh, I'll ask you some contact information from him because okay. it sounds, sounds like he has a great story. You probably, I have a feeling you're a wealth of... Uh, connections uh for potential guests for the show so that might be a lot of amazing runners yeah (laughs) you you know some people you know some people yeah so uh well libby well first of all let's let's i'm going to repeat the website so libbyjames.net 
and keep an eye out for the book. Are what was it? Are you done running? Are you still running? Are you still running? Are you still running? So, uh, and when when that comes out, I'm going to share it on the Season Athlete Facebook page and on the website because I'm going to want everyone to get it. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. So, Libby, thank you so much for being on the Season Athlete Podcast. Uh, you are nothing short of an inspiration for aging athletes, older runners, and really people of any age who just want to reach personal bests or get out the front door and run. So thank you for sharing your story and being on the show today. You are most welcome. I really enjoyed it. All right, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Libby James. Number one, when you're just getting started with running, focus on just running as long as you can, and then walk. Keep alternating between the two until you complete a mile. As you continue to practice this, you'll soon find that you can run more and more during that mile, and eventually you'll be able to run even farther. If you start simple and keep practicing, you will get better, which leads me to number two, be consistent. Even if you're just working on something small, if you stay consistent with it, it will get easier and you will get better. This of course applies to running, but can also apply to pretty much anything in your life. And number three, you are never too old to get started and to be amazing. Libby didn't start running until a bit later in life, and she's been breaking records ever since, including in her 80s. In her case, she's found that not having spent her entire life running has been an asset for her, as she has not experienced the wear and tear on her body that has happened to many lifelong runners. Of course, everyone's story is different, but if you've ever told yourself the story that you're too old to run or accomplish extraordinary things, hopefully Libby's story changed your mind. And if it didn't, maybe you should listen again. Thanks again to Libby James. To learn more about her, check out LibbyJames.net. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. All right, friends, I have a really big favor to ask. I need your help to get the word out about Seasoned Athlete. How can you do that? It's really easy. Just share. Share it with your friends, your family, your network, or anyone you think might benefit from the stories told by the incredible athletes featured on this show. Send out an email, share on social media, or sing our praises from the mountaintops. The more you talk about seasoned athlete, the more people we can reach, inspire, and motivate through this show. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for your help. And while you're at it, follow us on social, Seasoned Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com, and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.